Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the pod? Get the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we've got the crew of the Escape Pod together today. And by crew, I mean Blake, Reed, and Wes, although Wes is uh, not staying with us for the entire time today. Uh, But we're going to be watching Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Commentary track style, so sync up at home there, uh, prep your Blu-rays or your Disney Plus tab or do what you got to do because uh, we're going to be watching this fabulous movie and prior to that though, we're going to listen to this fabulous classic trailer. Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Harrison Ford. Boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're gonna have I think we took a wrong turn. Carrie Fisher. Good luck. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Here's where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back, everybody. So, a uh, very special recording today because we are watching A New Hope, which is uh, Star Wars Episode 4 from 1977, uh, May 25th to be specific. And uh, this is a legendary film, all right? This is a film that revolutionized the film industry. It uh, it, it brought, it, it breathed a new s- sort of life into into the into film theaters around the world in general. I think when when that film came out, and of course you can read a lot about that uh, and and what it took to get that movie off the ground. You can even listen to a very special podcast which I very much uh, enjoyed. And uh, let me just uh, look this up here. I think it was uh, the Wondery. Uh, Inside Star Wars podcast. So the podcast itself is uh, is called Inside Star Wars, and it's published by Wondery. And uh, I think it was eight chapters long or something like that. Um, but uh, it was it was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic little podcast as to uh, almost like a a dramatized biography of George Lucas's efforts trying to get this movie uh, up and running. But um, anyways, let's uh, let's let's introduce the guys here. So uh, welcome back, Blake, Reed, and Wes. Hey, good to be good, back. 
Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, getting up there now. The number of uh, shows I've done with you, so it's good to be here. Oh yeah, no. Th- well, thanks for coming back, man. It's always a pleasure having you guys, you guys on. I mean, I have a good time doing these things. So uh, my goal is to try and get you guys to uh, show up in more episodes. Go yeah, forward. man. Happy to be here. No, thanks, man. Yeah, it's just well, it's just nice to hang out with you guys and chat and you know about Star Wars and other things. And we we already had thirty minutes of guns. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> blasters, blasters, man, I, can, I can keep going, man. I don't know if the rest of you are exhausted, but I could go on and oh, on man. and on. I I honestly I don't I don't doubt you there. Uh, you could you could probably start up your own Canadian podcast called uh, Canadians with Guns or or something like that. But uh, anyway, we're we're not going to waste too much time here let's get right into the movie so if all of you guys at home have uh, synced up with us by now uh you know uh we're going to be watching the blu-ray slash disney plus edition of the film which is the latest uh up-to-date canon part i know it's a very controversial thing uh to a lot of people whether the han or greedo shot first but uh, we are watching the uh, the the canon cut, uh, which is uh, it's got its own timestamp, unique to every iteration of the film, and uh, it is the newest one that uh, I guess would be considered the canon cut and the final cut. Uh, you know, the one that's ended up on on Disney Plus there. So um, that, and if you have the uh, 4K Blu-ray release, I think. I think that one is the exact same copy, but uh, I'm not entirely sure. So, anyways, uh, let's uh, let's do the countdown here. In three, two, one, punch it! We just take a moment to think about the fact that this was the first movie to ever do the crawl like this, like in the series. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, I, or I was gonna ask if it was or not. Yep. Yeah. So like uh, George actually paid a fine or something like that to the Directors Guild or something like that for not putting the actors' names in front of the film. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that was a standard back in the day. I had the intro with yeah. all the names, and then the credits yeah. at the end as well. And George kind of broke the mold because yeah yeah well it's all unions right so like you have to do these things and i think this title card is actually is it not taken from uh buck rogers um i don't i don't know actually um I think it might be, or at least that's kind of what George was going for in style, because I know a lot of this film is actually based on like the old Buck Rogers serial cartoon, or not cartoon, live action. Right. Yeah, it's it's possible. I, I mean, I know that his, uh, his fascination with doing serial-based stuff actually inspired this movie, right? Just a story that picks up in the middle of the action. Yeah. And has some... 
you know, like what we were talking about, like context that happens before, but you don't see that stuff. And then you just see what comes after and then kind of how it ends. But I kind of like that a lot more than like just stereotypical storytelling. I just feel like right. it makes the whole world feel so much bigger. And, and, and the pacing of the film just goes so much faster because you're being thrown into this this story, this action that, That's true. you know, at first doesn't make any sense. But then if it's designed properly, in which case you can relate to a character who also doesn't fully understand what's going on, yeah. then it works, right? Yeah, you can kind of fill it all in from there. Yeah. It's interesting to think about this compared to Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings kind of like half did that and half didn't do that, right? Because you do... Start yeah. with this character and this like simple origin, like it's it's Frodo, right, in the Shire. But then he right. gets thrown into this world where so much is already going on, and he becomes your no guy who doesn't know what's going on, and like learning yeah. his eyes. And I think Harry Potter is also designed like so exceptionally for that as well. Like just a character that you know doesn't know a thing about magic or the Wizarding World, and yeah, you you kind of go with him on that journey, even right? though he's like this icon within it. Yeah. Man, I love the detail on these Star Destroyers. It's so good, man. Oh, like the, awesome. the models and this. It's so phenomenal. Amazing. Oh, so I really like this movie. So I don't really have a lot to of like bad things to say about it and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's a total classic to me. But I remember yeah. I was having a conversation with my mom one time. And so both she and my dad, you know, when this movie came out back in the day, well, like when they were younger, uh, like, I know my dad really liked it, but my mom was like, no, I didn't really like it. She was like, what? I didn't really, didn't really care much for it. So that's when your parents got divorced, right? Was it after the screening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, uh, I just thought that was hilarious because I was like, because I mean, I've grown up with all these movies. And so yeah. there's like, you know, a bit of a nostalgia with them as well. But yeah, I can't remember how like how old she would have been when this movie <laughs> came out but she was like yeah i didn't like it that much and i think her main criticism was that she didn't feel like luke was the uh main character she felt like han solo kind of this like, movie is uh, weird like that yeah where it's like luke is the main character but the other characters get a lot of screen time too right yeah, yeah. which is good because it, it almost becomes like a a team-based film instead of just a single character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it makes it such an enjoyable movie to watch for like a wide array of people too, because of that reason, right? Like this, this was also one of the first movies to, I think, prominently feature like, um, uh, well, I guess the original trilogy in general. Like it was one of the first trilogy movies, you know, like the way it is uh, to feature like a primary female actor cast and like yeah. a black guy as well like billy d williams yeah like it was it was pretty like a, it was a huge step forward for like the times right oh absolutely yeah and i yeah. think what i like about them having so many main characters too is that it makes it like relatable for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways because yeah. i mean there's all yeah. the you know there's han solo fan club there's a luke fan club there's a leia fan club the oh yeah like, like for every character pretty much like Palpatine, you know the people are just yeah. pure evil <laughs> yeah. everyone's got their own favorite characters That's yeah right. it's yeah. safe too because like if you don't like the main character of most films you won't like the film but like you know it's you true. can acknowledge that luke is a whiny child in the fourth episode <laughs> still like the film. right yeah
this was such a cool moment too like vader choking out the captain or whatever like i don't think there's any other movies really where you like watch a character that just like picks straight up picks someone's up like picks a guy up off the floor and just strangles him like a foot off the ground yeah it's pretty <laughs> intimidating i also want to mention um that scene looks absolutely ridiculous without james earl jones <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. I've seen yeah. I've seen the the, the footage. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the footage without James Earl Jones doing the voiceover for Darth yeah. Vader, it's like and it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen that too. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Changes the context a lot. Yeah, he adds so much to the movies. Oh yeah. Man, I just love looking at all the sets, just all the detail. Like, yeah. mm. I was looking at that last scene there. There's like a whole bunch of stuff, just like PVC pipe you get from Home Depot. <laughs> and that that <laughs> shot right there uh, with the escape pod, I believe, was the first shot that ILM ever finished on this movie. Here wow. or the previous one? Uh, the previous one when it launches out of the 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 tube. Oh, when you okay. see it burst yeah. out That's of the... That's also... Uh, yeah, it's also okay. why the the logo of this podcast is that shot. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Star Wars Escape Pod. That's There's also cool. something I need to add in here. So, Princess Leia, or Carrie Fisher, through this entire movie, does not wear any undergarments. And she, <laughs> and she asked George, why can't I wear underwear? And George told her, oh, but there, there's no underwear in space. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's brutal. Oh my god. Through the entire movie, she does not have a brazier or uh, any other undergarments. Yep. <laughs> that's that's rough, man. <laughs> oh, so speaking of Princess Leia, so the slightly different tangent. So you guys know know the new Star Wars Squadron game that came out, right? Yep. So in the so you can customize certain things in your cockpit right and so mm -hmm. the, there's little like ornamentations and stuff you can get and so one of those customizations is these holograms and one of those holograms i like flipped out and just burst out laughing when i saw it because it's that pervy rat lizard from return of the jedi that's like oh, that oh yeah yeah so yeah. and leia yeah, yeah it's the ones that that goes like ah! <laughs> like yeah yeah oh my god salacious yeah salacious crumb. yeah but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just I oh just man it. i just remember it as the pervy rat lizard like that was the first thing that came to my mind i just you, thought it was so funny the guy who voiced that i mean that was his first time doing any uh any uh character recordings at all like special yeah. effects now. he got hired at uh, skywalker sound and he became one of the most famous guys and he was the one who did the voice voices of uh gremlins as well oh same guy i don't think i've ever <laughs> seen that movie i think i've seen parts of it Classic, I know what man. it is, though. It's good for yeah. Halloween and Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 there's only one true Christmas movie, and that's Die, Die Hard. <laughs> I think Ralph McQuarrie's drawing of uh, what would be 3PO and R2 in the desert mm -hmm. was, I think, the groundbreaking kind of image that he did for George, in which case, like, set the tone of, like, the visual language throughout these films but 
Um, I mean, by today's standards, all this stuff with the two of them bickering in the desert. Yeah. I guess to a kid can be like pretty slow, but um, it's true. I mean, back back in the day, like I mean, if you really think about it, like I don't think any movie could have gotten away with just two like droids, like robots, like just chatting to each other. Yeah. For like a solid five minutes of the movie, like it's it's a uh, it's you know like it's unheard of. I mean, even just the whole yeah. beginning of the movie till they get back like to space, like they launch from Mos Eisley. That whole section of the movie is quite slow, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie slows down a lot because I mean we just opened up with like a battle that happened was over pretty quick too, and mm-hmm. now we're watching. 3PO slowly trudged through the desert. And yeah. he, like, point out a silver leg. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think if any of the other movies did this. I mean, Empire kind of did, right? Because you had like the, the big... Uh, battle at the beginning even though it's kind of like reversed starts out kind of slow there's a battle and then there's another slow spot yeah i think that all the slower parts in empire tend to be with like the the dynamic on the falcon with them trying to get away from the empire usually because right. yeah. it's not that s- actiony but at the same time the the acting really sells those moments though right yeah True. like that's I, that's what's kind of cool about empire though is that it kind of it doesn't just go like full bore into like kind of a slow section of the movie it kind of like flip-flops so you get like the slow moments of the movie with like luke on dagobah and stuff like that and then you do the like the more fast-paced like chase moments like with the millennium falcon and that kind of thing so instead of just like i guess doing what this movie is and just kind of slow the pace right down like it still kind (laughs) of keeps you interested Mm -hmm. yeah for sure (laughs) i love jawas dude those are like the coolest characters. These like random scavengers with those beady little eyes. Oh, it, dude, <laughs> so great! Actually, that's so one thing about the Jawas that that I really I really thought they did super well on in the the Mandalorian, which is like replicating yeah. like the Jawas. Oh man, so and good! And just like so disintegrated <laughs> and like blown apart. Yeah. Like, well, that's like that's just it. Because I mean, I I, I want to I want to know kind of what people back in the day thought about like these Jawas initially, having no knowledge of like the Star Wars galaxy at the time when this movie first came out. But I mean, today, I mean, a lot of people like, you know, we're, we just kind of look at them like, oh, ew, Jawas, like they're kind of gross little things, right? Yeah, and, we, know uh, them, we know what they are. They're like these scavenger things that show up and take apart your stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I think it's in this movie, it's later on when uh, Owen Lars, I think, is dealing with the Jawas. Yeah. He kind of has that disgusted sort of. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, come on, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then same with Luke. Same with Luke when he gets to yeah. Moss Eisley and he's like, uh, he's trying to sell his speeder or something like that. Or yeah. I don't know. There's something, and he's like, get on. Like, you know, and then yeah. kind of shoves one away from his, his you know, <laughs> stuff or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's just like. After that, and then and then seeing Mandalorian, and he's just ripping apart these Jawas, like you know, I was just like, okay. Yeah, so I'm surprised they even did that, to be honest. Like they can get away with it in this day and age. Oh man, it's so funny though. Like, just like I, slaughtering just through them. <laughs> I guess because there's so no good. blood and gore, right? They're just like poofing. Yeah, yeah that's true. Just, and they're kind of these yeah. like 
unnamed, like, faceless creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not supposed to be children, as far as we know. (laughs) (laughs) Although it wouldn't be the first time that somebody killed a bunch of children in a Star Wars movie. So, younglings, Josh. It's only okay if you say younglings. Oh yes, the younglings. He killed younglings. I I wish Bryce was here because he would talk about a lot of these droids. Like, yeah, the droids in Star Wars were kind of set in this scene, and if you just look at them, they're all they all just look like piles of garbage that happened to be activated. They're super junky. Yeah. This one, well, I never got this one. It was like a creepy looking clown thing. Yeah. I think that's one <laughs> of the things that's so cool about Star Wars, though, just like setting a precedent for the industry and stuff like that, is that, like, this was, I think, like, the first dystopian sci fi movie that, like, anyone had ever seen. Because at that point, yeah. like, I can't remember, like, how much of Star Trek had been around. If, any? Well, Star Trek was all like brand new, like everything's clean and crisp, yeah, right? Exactly. Like we like, have this perfect. utopian society, like yeah. in the future and stuff like that, all united and like exploring against aliens and stuff like that. Blah blah blah. But yeah, this is the first time we see this like dystopian galaxy where there's like junk everywhere, like dirty uh, ships and evil empires in control it's the of grungy, everything. The grungy look to it. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's the one thing about sci-fi. I think that most people tend to gravitate to when they think of science fiction, and that's that's the one thing Star Wars isn't to science fiction. It's like space fantasy, but yeah, um, with sci-fi, it's uh, it's like very clean, polished, you know, you know, futuristic sort of thing. When when, yeah. when, you, when I look at Star Wars, I don't think of like futuristic. I mean, yeah, they have laser swords like, and and well, spaceships, but at the same time, it opened like, a long time ago, right? Yeah. yeah exactly it's a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away so like their their whole story is like set differently right and and it's a used universe like there's like or it's a used galaxy like there's so much history yeah. to so many different things yeah and, it's, um, it's like the technology has been pretty stagnant for so long that they're able to use technology that's been around for so long and it's not yeah. really out of place you could buy that yeah. to here like you can only really use technology for like 10 maybe 15 years at best at this point and then you got to start replacing it like even vehicles yeah if you have a vehicle that's not a lot of work put to upkeep it you can't really go back more than 20 years because that point is just starts falling apart disintegrating right and then and then then the funny thing is is you start to go to this is where like the real world kind of like relation with star wars comes in it's because you go to like a third world country and that technology to them is like new yeah. It's like, you know, like like our old phones end up like over there as like the best stuff like five, ten years from now. And uh, it's funny to think of that as like Coruscant versus Tatooine. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting enough because because Tatooine is like like look at this, like they're yeah, a bunch he lives of farmers. In a hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like they're living shit. in a hole in the ground in the desert and they're buying like used robot junk from a bunch of scavengers that probably stole this stuff. Like yeah. like it's a hundred percent relatable to like yeah. planet Earth here in another <laughs> country, right? Yeah. Man, I love the design of sand crawlers. It's so cool. Oh yeah, it's so great. Like they it they did such a good job in this movie of like taking things and like building into the like something that looks new but like when you if you look at it for long enough you can be kind of like oh i i see how they did that or i see what they did there it's all kind of practical right yeah 
I mean, like, I, I've talked with you guys before about all the different, like, weapons and stuff that they use and how they make yeah. stuff from, like, World War Two look or World War One look and like an advanced piece of technology. That's exactly what they did for all the uh, ships and all the vehicles and stuff in the entire, at least the original trilogy as well. So, yeah. like, the Sandcrawler, as well as, like, TIE Fighters, X-Wings, all that, they're all made from models of World War Two vehicles and planes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They literally took apart, like they bought the kits and they just used the individual pieces to just make their own thing, and that's how they came with the design for all of this. Well, they used yeah. that to match Macquarie's as best as they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going back like two scenes there, that that's that that Luke uh, quote about Tashi Station. <laughs> I, I don't, I like, I don't know how that's exciting at all. It's like, oh, but I was gonna go to Tashi Station yeah. and pick up some power <laughs> converters. It's, like, it's like the highlight of my day, you know. But, I mean. It, it really, it really tells you how often he gets to actually leave the farm. Yeah. Like he's probably yeah, been looking forward true. to that for weeks just to leave yeah. for like an hour. Have you guys that's ever true. seen? Have you seen that meme though, of it being like of like the the power converters being like a I can't remember what it was if it was like a female band or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to check out with his buddies. That's a great one. Yeah, I can see that. That's pretty good. Because we don't actually know what those are, right? It might not actually be like a mechanical thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I can't remember. I, you'd have to Google it, but I promise you, if you look up like Tachi <laughs> Station power converters, you will find like tons of memes about like, so, I mean, some, some of them less appropriate than others, I'm sure. Mm. But. Quick to point out now, this sh- that toy ship he was flying around, that's a model of the ship right behind him. And as you can see the corridor there, and he actually flies that around the desert. He, uh, right, yeah, that's right. About, uh, flying right. It, was it T16? Through Beggar's Canyon. T16 yeah. uh, yeah, T16 Skyhopper. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's it. it right there. You, you never see him fly it. I don't know if they'd ever planned that at one point. I'm sure George did. Yeah. But that's actually think there are, that's a ship. Um, he plays with the model of it. Yes. Is it like a and duster or something? It's it's uh, like a it's like a ship, like a low orbit ship. Okay. Kind of thing. It's funny how they didn't end up using that instead of the sand speeder. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe it was. Well, the sand speeder is like an open, open cockpit, so they it's can probably... take shots and then have like <laughs> the scene and then yeah, yeah I mean people there talking. Yeah, I guess this is more cheaper. of like your your kind of like duster plane, whereas like the land speed is more of like your car, your car kind of thing. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. What's really funny is he talks about later in the film. He talks about shooting. Uh, what do they call some rats? Oh, yeah, Womp Rats. rats. Yeah. That's right, yeah. He talks about uh, shooting Womp Rats with his T-16. There's that meme yeah. where the, the Womp Rats are like these sentient rats, and they're like alive, and they have like families and stuff, and he's just like gunning them down. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. I love that one. He's so <laughs> yeah. like a total yeah. monster. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. So... <laughs> oh, so this hologram is the one that they recreated with the young Carrie Fisher asset in uh, episode eight. It's the one that they made for Rogue One, the asset. Interesting. This has got to yeah. be the cleaned up original one. This yeah. this is the this is a uh, yeah this is all original of course. But in episode eight, when they okay. played this this recording with the audio, the the actual motion of her body and everything I noticed was like so much newer, because hmm. of course the perspective is different, right? So. 
um, they can't they couldn't use any of this footage. Uh, they they had to right, like, recreate. Yeah, so they used the same. I don't know same... how I feel about that. I almost wish they would have just used this. I bet they couldn't find the original footage used for the effect, though. That's probably not. Bad. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. But then also, like that, I guess the perspective would be off too, right? So because well, she's facing probably, a certain way. I mean, they could have just recreated it, right? On the same yeah. angle. They didn't have to. Oh yeah, I guess they could have flipped it or something. But yeah. I don't know. More more control. They had the same. Ironically, they had. The young Carrie Fisher CG in the exact same costume that she's wearing right there. So, so one thing I wanted to mention though, back like in terms of like translating across like a few movies. So like one of the things I liked about the original trilogy is that like Luke like you know espouses that he's a great pilot and stuff like that, and in this movie he gets an opportunity to uh, to prove that. Um, and he like continually kind of proves that like throughout the the films and stuff like that like in empire strikes back you know he's flying around in the snow speeder and that kind of thing but like with um the sequel trilogy like i think they really kind of dropped the ball on that one because i mean they talk like i think like is it like with poe they kind of show him like starting off that he's a great pilot and into the movies and stuff like that they did okay there but i think with like ben they tried to make him out like he was a great pilot or something like that but he really didn't have any moments where he got to prove that no well it's kind of weird it's almost like with luke you see him like he's okay and then he manages to you know by the um skin of his teeth able to succeed to pull off these really hard endeavors like blowing up the death yeah. star or um, mm-hmm. I guess that's probably the main one because it seems like he's just yeah. uh, by the time we see him in Empire he's already trained properly as a pilot for several years yeah, yeah. but if you compare that to like a lot of the sequel characters it's they're like telling us that they're good and they're just innately really good at stuff and we never really see any improvement or actual difficulty right no yeah, yeah with, no with like with Luke it was part of his journey that you see the development of that yeah oh I want to point out right now that uh josh oh you weren't there it was bryce and i when we were at uh celebration mm-hmm. uh when we went to the the live oh Mark, was it the Mark day Hamm- that i uh, yeah yeah it's the one that yeah. you and ben uh went to disney world instead right so we got into the mark hamill panel and he started talking about stuff one of the things he mentioned is in this scene he when he sips the blue milk he did that because he thought it'd be good for the camera but it actually was the most disgusting thing he'd ever tasted it was like it's like <laughs> extremely hot because they're actually in a desert right now so it's this hot yeah. gross disgusting milk that's from a can uh, wasn't even proper milk. it was like condensed milk from a can they had a food coloring <laughs> too and then they had to keep redoing the shot from my different angles and stuff <laughs> every time he had he was forced to take another sip of blue milk <laughs> so that it would, it would all be the same movements and he said it was just uh, the worst uh, decision he ever made it just it just tasted so bad you know i <laughs> bet gross. maybe that's that maybe that's part of like the joke when they started giving him all the milk mustaches everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i remember that yeah yeah just a little on the lip there yeah yeah a little on the stash that's <laughs> funny oh my gosh and i'm gonna be forward and admit that this is my favorite theme in the entire series yeah yeah. Binary sunset. I it's the one song that kind of um 
I guess binds like this the saga because you hear it echo through every single film. Yeah. And uh there's so I much love, emotion to it. Yeah, there, oh, yeah, there really is. And I love where it plays in Attack of the Clones as well when when uh when Anakin is about to go off and try and save his mother from the Tuscan Raiders. And uh instead of kind of dipping off into kind of a lighter hearted theme as which it does here for Luke, uh, it goes off into the, the duel of fates sort of darker tone for, for Anakin Skywalker when he's on the speeder bike. Yeah. I've always kind of wondered what that is. A big box that he's standing next to. Yeah. Speaking of the soundtrack though, I think one of the really interesting things is that like uh maybe not like i can't speak to that song particularly but like with the imperial march song and stuff like that like a lot of the inspiration for that came from uh gustav holtz uh the planets which are like uh like i don't know if you've ever listened to them but it's like a suite of uh music i can't i think there's like 12 songs i can't remember but really? the, you'll notice right away like if you listen to like each one is named after like one of the planets basically and it's like a it's phenomenal music like it's a very like well-known like classical music but uh it's yeah it's just kind of interesting that like you know the the suite for uh the planets is the inspiration for uh like star wars or the music mm. for star wars hmm. Inter yeah oh, that's interesting yeah I'll, i have to get you to listen to it sometime you'll notice right yeah, away yeah like you'll see right away yeah i'll send me a link to that oh the infamous oh, tuscan raiders <laughs> <laughs> what uh, creature did they use for the bantha? Was it an elephant? Buffalo. I'm buffalo. pretty sure. Really? Well, I'd have to look at it again. I want to say like a buffalo or bison or something, though. Can you ride a, a buffalo? Uh, a, like... I don't know. A farm-bred one, maybe? I could be wrong. I mean, because buffalo and bison have fur. So unless the, the elephant was willing to get, um, like, covered in... Uh... Oh, they uh, an Asian elephant is what played the bantha. Oh. Apparently. Interesting. Oh, there's StarWars.com has an article on it, too. One thing in the the Blu-rays that they added in there was the the rock uh, in front of R2 as he's trying to hide.
You know, this movie is like quite creepy too in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's got some like you know, it's got some moments where like, like, like oh, what's the gonna creepy happen? little jaw was to yeah. kick us kick it off and like it everything's run by an evil empire. Like I forget sometimes how much like like not really darker, but like dystopian this movie can be sometimes yeah i mean it is pg it's yeah. it's definitely not like for general audiences it's parental guidance yeah I guess I guess he started going as uh, Ben almost right when he got to Tatooine, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was cause... just thinking about that. I don't recall, A, why he went with that name, and B, when it actually mm-hmm. transitioned. It just he, he went from what we knew as Obi-Wan to 3, and now... Yeah. I've, I've always liked... Um, see, this is where Clone Wars comes in again, because... Uh, when he was undercover as a bounty hunter, he actually went as the code name Ben. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, so threw in uh, his little Easter egg there. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually like how that started and and kind of the backstory that they gave to that and they gave it a little bit of purpose. Uh, I guess he favored the the name. It kind of rings rings short and true with his own name, I guess. Like, but. Um, did he get to? Yeah, pick, I don't know. In in the Clone Wars episode, did he, did he get to pick it or was he assigned that? He just he just answered the comm link when Yoda and Mace called him when he was in the Republic prison and okay. he just said, "This is Ben," and that was it. <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> that was and that like, was how it starts. He yeah, and that's what he went with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh yeah. It feels like it was so much longer ago than like 10, 15 years, right? Hmm. Yeah. Like, like what he's talking about? Like it feels like your grandfather talking about World War Two, right? Yeah, like yeah, like, it does, yeah. Like 60 or well, 70 years back. How, yeah, was but it really 15 it's only years like ago? I feel like it 19. was 20 or it's, something. Uh, it's, nine, it's, it's 19, yeah. 19, okay. There you go. So Luke is 19 here then. I always thought he was 16. Yeah. No, he's a little older. He's he's um, nineteen, and then th- that's the gap between episode three and four, at least. Okay. Kind of an odd number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. 
and uh, episode seven is 29 years after episode six. So close to hitting Obi-Wan with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just immediately stabs him. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. Whole franchise is over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for the new Obi-Wan series. Take place here on Tech. Mm, oh, dude, so yeah. Good. It'll be awesome. Man, like, have they started production on that yet? I haven't heard anything. I think I think it's still in the writing process. Okay. I mean, they turned out the Mandalorian pretty quick. I'm surprised they're not already yeah. on this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess the difference was they had uh, Dave Filoni on it. <laughs> it was yeah, and it was delayed. The series uh, going through some re- rewrites uh, mm, a couple okay. couple months ago. They released that information. Yeah. It's gonna be sweet to see Ewan McGregor. Yeah. In the oh man, it's gonna be, setting. and and he's like aged a little bit too, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's actually worked it, out really well from his point of view. Yeah, yeah. From a certain point of view. A certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> so this well moment, I love, I love how they open up the Clone Wars series because the very, very first episode, if you're watching it chronologically, um, the very first episode is uh, Obi Wan and Anakin have to help Bail Organa on uh, Christophysis because he is there for political reasons and uh the republic outpost that was housing him uh has been overrun with droids okay and uh, they need to get a supply run they need to get supplies down to the surface of the planet so the first episode in general was uh focused on obi-wan like or general kenobi uh uh, it was Bail Organa sending him a message saying, uh, "Help us, General Kenobi. You are our only help." Uh, <laughs> and and I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! Like that's just such a good callback." Because when you watch the prequels, you don't really get any context to what Leia's talking about, right? Like like yeah. you know like uh, like yes, they know each other, Obi Wan and Bail Organa, but you never see them directly interact. interact. Not really, no. So yeah. when she says, years ago, you served my father during the Clone Wars, I love that they made that a thing. Yeah. That's well, like the first thing that they did was bring that into context. Wasted no time setting that up. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I really like about like the original trilogy is when you go back and watch it after watching all of the different new movies that they have and stuff like that, or at least the ones that uh, Lucas made and that kind of thing, like with the prequels, they did such a phenomenal job of tying everything in so meticulously. Like just this scene alone, like there's so many moments where if you're like in the know, you're like, oh man, yeah, like I remember that. Like you pick up on so many things. Mm. like you might not have like if you know you originally watched the movie years ago yep oh there's my favorite star wars helmet of all time (laughs) (laughs) so that that right there is uh uh that right there in the white uniform on the right side of the table or right across the table there uh that's admiral ularin look at that so admiral ularin was anakin's um admiral during the clone war oh really okay and uh yeah he's the british he's the also the british guy that does the narration of every episode oh that's funny yeah war! This called star wars the clone wars <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's pretty funny 
And uh, we're talking Rogue One about mustaches. He's the one I was referring yeah. to that has a mustache. No one yeah, else yeah, has and a he's higher rank, guy. too. Yeah, he's a higher rank, too. So he's allowed to have the mustache. I guess so. <laughs> and he's the only one rank. in a white suit. So Yeah. Man, they casted Tarkin so well. Like, he just looks... They yeah. so did. He, Peter Cushing is amazing. Oh, man. No offense to Peter Cushing, but he would make one intense Nazi, aesthetically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would. I'm pretty sure he must have played a Nazi at some oh, point I'm, in his uh, yeah. in his career. Well, he, like in a movie. I think his before this film, his most famous part was actually playing uh, Dracula. It was that he was oh, in the Dracula no movies, way. but that was that was uh, so that was Christopher Lee that was playing Dracula. Ah, okay. Sorry, my mistake. He, he shared. He shared. Okay, the but movie let's be honest. Him, he could knock it out of the park if he was cast as Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, he would. He's got the yeah. most intense cheekbones I've ever seen. I think he yeah, was the kidding. protagonist or something like that in those movies, or maybe one of the villains. I'm I guess not, he got sure. infected and didn't tell anybody. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Man, I love the menace of Vader. Like, yeah. one guy tries to mock him, and he pretty much almost outright killed yeah and 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 notice that it's the younger guy too because tarkin has seen the jedi in business right yeah, yeah. and and so as so as you and so like the older guys at the table all know exactly his power and the younger guys the hotheads yeah, are yeah. like what's like, this like sorcery that kind of thing right like, yeah they think it's a joke yeah, like they're yeah. like force what is that i've never heard of that in their yeah. defense in the years since the jedi have been more or less exterminated They've kind of, yeah, they've been trying to wipe they, the information. Yeah, people, right. A lot of people no longer believe that a lot of that stuff really happened or existed, yeah. right? It's kind of been this yeah. like weird, like it's like it's it's a it's a, a wiping of evidence, right? It's almost like a, like it's like Germany kind of neglecting the fact that like the Hitler and the Nazis never like or the Holocaust didn't happen, right? Yeah. So like it's the mm-hmm. it's the same kind They're of thing. It's like the aware of it there. I would say actually. Like, well, today they are. Today they are. But yeah. there was a phase. There was a phase in which they were telling citizens that the Holocaust wasn't a thing. So it's almost like like the Empire brainwashing the galaxy. It's like the Jedi were evil and this and that. Yeah. And then, and then it comes so time the, to say that they didn't exist. You know, like none of this stuff is real. All that thing. Yeah. So what you're talking about. So during. World War II during the Holocaust the Nazis actually went like that's why they had like a secret uh, meeting of all the people who like formed the idea of the Holocaust basically or or, like the operations to like put them into concentration camps and stuff Um, like it because it was illegal for them to do what they were doing to the Jews and so they had to like form a plan around it and they like had like documentation that like alluded to it but like didn't specifically say and so they tried to like play it off like it was a thing that wasn't happening and stuff like that yeah Um, yeah but like covering covering it up kind yeah of thing, they, right? they, it, they really did try to, to cover it up in a lot of ways yeah um, well my great-grandmother over there uh was was i guess like also kind of oblivious to the fact that this actually happened like she was she was never fully a believer that this was a historical event and she lived through the war yeah, there. there's a lot of people like that. Um, yeah, or they if you ask them yeah. all the terrible stuff, they'll a lot of them will say, "Oh, that was the Russians. The Russians were doing all that." 
Oh yeah, so I I read a lot of uh, or I've read a fair few not like tons but a fair few uh, biographies and autobiographies of like uh, German soldiers and I especially find it interesting reading ones about the Eastern Front uh, both uh, Wehrmacht and SS soldiers just because of the difference is in um, like ideology and like ideas and stuff like the SS uh, biographies are usually very very interesting because they'll either try to outright like deny any kind of like love for Nazism and extermination or like they try to formulate it to be like oh well this was our natural way of like like you know we naturally viewed the communist communists and so we were we were protecting all of Europe against mm. the Nazis and stuff like I that mean, like there, it's, there's it's, truth it's, to that because yeah even like, like one, even uh like the uk and the us they all were behind the nazis because everyone was against communism yeah so it's it's really interesting because like one of the biographies i've read was a a belgian guy who from a very young age joined the ss as a foreign volunteer and the ss actually had a huge number of uh foreign volunteers some forming like an entire uh, divisions and stuff like the most famous would be the the wicking or viking division made up of scandinavians oh, um, and so they have stuff. how they recruit yeah how they recruited those foreign volunteers is really fascinating like all like all, most of them have a very like consistent uh like insight that it, they were doing it to fight against communisms and yep. stuff like that, I that so yeah. I think it's interesting that Moss Eisley has always been kind of this, like as as what it is, like like what Ben can always said, like a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, and then when we got the Phantom Menace, they like George decided not to use Moss Eisley, but made a new city called Moss Espa. Yeah. And uh, and then in Attack of the Clones, like when he's asking about his mother and like well, you know like hey where where's my mother and he's like oh long way from here on the other side of Moss Eisley I think you know like as if it's like a super far distance away yeah. Yeah. Um, and Moss Espa being a very like busy populated place um, I think it's like it's you know this must be like the other side of the like the planet or something like that Probably quite a ways yeah yeah no, I always thought it's it was funny kind then of... to think that it's still the exact same architecture <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it rings through the whole planet. But, yeah, um, but it yeah. makes me wonder, like, what, what other never, cities are? I out never there. knew that. Yeah, I had no idea until you told me that just now. I thought it was mm. just almost Isley. <laughs> yeah, no, that's honestly like not that nor like it's not that um, uncommon, uncommon yeah. uh, to, uh, to yeah. Uh, but in the Mandalorian, it it in fact is Moss Isley that that he comes back to and this yeah. cantina and oh, it's like a dead a dead place. I love droid. the cantina scene. Oh my gosh, oh, so yeah. great! Classic. All these all these monsters, all yeah. these costumes too that were recycled from oh, like other other films and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it was. Stuff that got pulled from other movies that wasn't good enough got put in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like they gave that guy a turban and he's good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the retro uh, spaceman over there. Oh yeah, all the spacesuits. Because they were George just wanted a whole bunch of monsters, right? So like, yeah. I think they were only given like a very small amount of time to put this together. That's why they ran out of time and just had to start pulling from any other sets they were working mm. on. Yeah. So. 
I'm not entirely convinced if this is completely canon or not, but that big flashing cross by the by the door on that what looks to be like a generator yeah. or whatever yeah, I see it right there. is actually uh, it's actually like a droid scanner. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it scans the for the for the bartender. It scans to make sure that there's no droids entering the the cantina. I guess, but I, I forget where exactly I read that. So that may or may not be completely accurate. Yeah, but uh, I do remember reading it somewhere recently. Yeah. Man, so many classic aliens in here. I love it so much. Oh yeah. I like. Why can't the new movies play any homage to the old aliens? I have no it idea, man. It bothers me yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, is it, uh, I mean, I mean, Rogue One and Solo did a pretty good job. They did, but, but they're supposed um, to be in this era, so it's like all of a sudden, all when you go to the sequels, it's like all the original alien species just died. They're yeah, it's it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Right. I don't know why they couldn't use at least even one in the single in the Star Wars games, like Star Wars, the newer Star Wars Battlefront games, they do a great job. Like in uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two, like one of the main characters in the story is one of those guys you just saw right there, one of the blue aliens with the red eyes. Yeah, it's a yeah. Duros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Those guys. And the Rodians. Yeah, the Rodians. Like, yeah, there's tons like, of these original But they're characters. so recognizable, right? That's why, like, the prequels, yeah. like, they did a really good job. Like, yeah, bringing, like, keeping it old aliens and also bringing in some new ones. And I don't see why they couldn't have done that with the sequels. Because yeah. by not including the, any, any of the original alien races, it doesn't, it makes it feel less Star Wars. Yeah, it so does. Many On top of all the other reasons why it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Yeah. Like, you see like, a Rodian or a Duros or a Wookiee, you immediately think, oh, it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Why would they have? Yeah, like the that? like the bits, like the bits are like so, like everyone knows, like you know, it's like oh, that's Star yeah, Wars. Or these guys, these guys are like super well known too, right? I forget, I forget yeah. the name, but I know they're playing jizz right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so when I saw New Hope in uh, in theater at, with the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, not only was that like an amazing experience, but the whole audience cheered when mm. Han Solo and Chewbacca came on screen. It was, it was so cool. Like watching this, a it was a cool experience watching this movie in theaters because I'd never seen it in theaters before. But then like having like the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra there, and then just the the like the room was just full of people that were just such yeah. huge Star Wars fans. It was like probably one of the coolest movie experiences I've ever had. Like it was, oh, really, it was so good. Oh, it was That's amazing. Awesome. Such a schemer. Yeah. Cause like clearly he wouldn't want to mess with them like regardless. So if you didn't say anything, like so you guys just charge like ben, extra. Ben, <laughs> ben Kenobi's like life savings right there. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me wonder though, like how he got all that money. <laughs> you know, it's like when when the when the Jedi Order got wiped out. Yeah. When, when they got wiped out, did uh, did he just like <laughs> do a big table flip? And he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna rob a bank and like. Talking about the fifteen that he's gonna pay him? Yeah. No man, it's because he knows the Organas are rich. He's in the Organas will pay for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and he's that's, going that's true. to. Uh, that's true. Yeah. 
it's a royalty, man. Yeah, because like, that'll be, that'd be no fair. problem, that's fair. right? For Laganas to pay. I never, I never really thought about it that way, but I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's I, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's not money they have. It's basically what they're going to uh, exploit out of uh, Alderaan. The Organifel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's fair. The Royals. I think I have that same jacket. <laughs> Mine's just not green. I love it yeah. when uh, I love it when Greedo showed up in Clone Wars because they kind of made him a, a slightly kind of mediocre bounty hunter. Yeah, they like they did. didn't make him. About, yeah, uh, what's the name? The, the, the blue aliens, right? Um. Uh. Yeah. He when he kidnaps the the the, the 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 yeah the the chairman of Pandora's Pantora, daughters or that's whatever. That's the name of them. Or Pan yeah Pantora. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Is the character that's supposed to be George Lucas, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, it doesn't really this this re-edited shot does not bother me in the slightest like i just don't care anymore it's better now than it was the first special edition because it used to be like it was very obvious that han shot after greedo which made greedo just look incompetent now they more or less shoot the same time i still Mm -hmm. prefer the original cut where han just shoots first because i think it it sets up his character for a better story arc Mm. because he had no issue just straight up murdering this guy not entirely like without reason but just under the slight chance that he might get shot himself was willing to just take him out and it kind of builds his story arc better i find over the three movies but yeah it's kind of funny that original cut because um the uh, y- you never actually see a blaster bolt. You just see a big explosion. Like so, special effects. So so yeah. So it wasn't until like they really added those effects in that it's like oh, Greedo actually like you know squeezes one off too. But <laughs> you actually saw uh, a couple frames of of uh, of Greedo's like demolition like dummy. Okay. <laughs> so you like you, you see and it's like the most mangled looking thing <laughs> ever like it's so ugly that's fine pyrotechnics so, toward Earth. yeah yeah hey look at that droid it's the worst yeah <laughs> like could you imagine yeah. if your family what? just like your parents just came home and they brought that droid and you're like here <laughs> this is gonna be around your home from now on hey kids oh, this man. is gonna be your nurse your like nursing droid yeah, like, <laughs> It looks yeah. like it's gonna straight up murder you in the night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to watch the original original cut of this scene too. I do like how with they added the guy the scene too. Yeah. Well, yeah, the guy with the fur jacket who who talks about the Jabba, but he's kind of like just one of Jabba's enforcers. Yeah. And I and I love how they added this in because at this point now we've seen Jabba in the Phantom Menace. Uh, we yeah. we know what Jabba looks like from from Return of the Jedi, and they had the footage and it just like wasn't cleaned up properly or finished or anything like that. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like I get what you're saying, like it does fit that in. But at the same time, why would Jabba himself be showing up to get money out of people? I don't think yeah, that's true. I don't that's think true. Yeah, I've I never think, understood yeah, that. Yeah, this guy's not very like 
mo he doesn't have the motor ability to uh, exert force on anybody. But so. he's, he's just <laughs> yeah. like hang out in his royal palace and like pay goons to do it, right? It feels out that's out a, of place for him to do it himself. That that's a good point. I, my assumption is that the time that's gone by, I guess, between this scene and when the cantina thing happened, is that. Uh, he got word of of Greedo being killed, I guess, and decided to pay him a yeah, personal visit. Real quick, <laughs> that's re it's real quick. Well, Greedo's it's real right quick, there. I'm, I imagine that it's there's the a couple jacket. hours between. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine it's a couple hours between, like when when Ben Kenobi hires Solo up until the point where he actually like this scene right here where they enter in on the Falcon, right? Otherwise, they would have just walked with him straight there to the Falcon. But I guess they needed some prep time. Oh, they had to sell so, the speeder. Yeah, they had to sell the speeder and, and whatever else. So, I mean, I can imagine it would be, you know, like an hour or two kind of worth the time. But maybe Jabba's Palace yeah. is actually closer to Mos Eisley than, than other places, I guess. I don't know. It's a good point, though. Like, I could totally see, like, you know... It's 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 questionable. Yeah. Like like yeah. how come, uh, how come he's how come he's showing up there by himself? Weird. Okay. I don't like, know. I think it's odd that Jabba would show up himself for such a honestly. Yeah. Like, hey man, yeah. you screwed up. Like, I feel like you would just send goons to go deal with them, but. Uh, yeah. Like, just send more Greedos. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that race now is just known to be spies. Yeah. Because that, that yeah. one guy. <laughs> like every yeah. single one of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> Man, I love the angular design, like the tubes in the Falcon. I love it. Yeah. Even how, like, the uh, to block off the, the boarding ramp, the whole thing, like, slides on, a, like, a semicircle. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing and like the, those star destroyers just like show up so fast it's pretty like, quick it makes i mean they must have been orbiting the planet yeah they, they must have been yeah i mean if you, they if must you have just been think on the other about side. a day ago they escaped, they they took on the intent to four and the, the escape pod went down right so they already knew the escape pod had the droids in it so it was probably two star destroyers yeah. that were the same uh, like squadron or whatever yeah, that's true. Man, the technology changed quick between here and the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> they have to like wait, like calculate, and make sure they're not going to jump into a star. And then the the very the newest film, uh, Rise of Skywalker, Poe just like. Hits hits like forward on the on the uh, on the hyperspace like jump his accelerator just like boom yeah, play, oh, yeah boom, like five play, times boom, it's hilarious it's like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> nobody extra funny. I always hated that boom straight into a star yeah yeah it's so cheesy it almost becomes like a teleporter yeah I, I just I hated that whole scene like yeah welcome to Star Trek. Just, yeah, exactly, right? 
Might as well just start calling it warp speed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a teleport, though. It's like instantaneous. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting uh, sort of fact with like how the empire relates to the nazis and stuff like that so they've got like really cool like good looking fancy uniforms so for the nazi germany it was actually hugo boss that designed their uh uniforms so like that's why they like look so uh distinct and uh the nazi hmm. uniform or the imperial the nazi uniform okay Hugo Boss. Who is who's Hugo Boss? Oh, you don't know? Okay, yeah, so please enlighten myself like... in the audience. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Hugo Boss is like a famous uh, clothing company or something like that. Like, I don't know if Hugo Boss himself is still alive anymore. I'd have to check. I don't think he is. But like, it's an entire like brand, basically. Like they do like tons of stuff. Like the like perfumes or like i'm sure you've seen a hugo boss like perfume commercial or something at some point yeah yeah but yeah they it's like a very modern or not not like very modern but it's like something that's still around today that's a successful business that's but surprising. that was like originally uh that was one of their big his big successes was that he made the uniforms for all of like the nazi uh stuff like that's why there's so many like you know fancy like good looking nazi uniforms is because of hugo boss did they make the the costumes for star wars then <laughs> oh i don't i don't think so i was just saying like that kind of like gray like flat like very uh clean clean oh, okay. type of uniform design or whatever oh like the inspiration like came yeah from hugo boss. okay yeah yeah i got you It's funny that all they actually found like a, a proper tailor company instead of just going with the lowest bidder. Yeah, yeah, I found. Yeah, that is interesting. Goes with Germany though. I mean, they were all about like the best technology. German, right? German exceptionalism was like a huge, huge thing. I can see how that would fall into the empire. <laughs> just slicks his hair like, back yeah <laughs> I love the hair stroke now, out of all the things that they could have done to, to like you know with the special editions and the blu-rays and stuff I'm surprised they just didn't redo the lightsabers it is odd right I was actually looking yeah. at some of the poor green screen like the escape pod and they didn't clean that up yet they took the time to mm. add CG droids. <laughs> <laughs> like whole CG scenes. Yeah. It's like the simple things that could have been cleaned up. I don't up, know, man. Aren't. George, he just kind of does his own thing, is all I can say. Yeah. Like, Look, we're not going to have time to clean up all the lightsabers and add these two CG droids that make this these weird confrontation. Well, you know what's funny is like droids. the lightsabers. The lightsaber wouldn't even take that long either. Like it would. Well, these scenes are so you've brief done it, with man. the lightsabers. Like, it, it yeah. is, it's a lot of manual labor. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's it's manual labor, but at the same time, it's like it's it's uh, it's not. You know, when you're paying for like full 
CG scenes and stuff like that. It's like just redoing a lightsaber blade for like a, you know, like two, three shots or whatever. It wouldn't take one guy longer than like a, a week, maybe, to do them on an eight-hour shift per day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I guess they wanted to keep their retro look. Maybe George was aesthetically... I guess He's so. Like emotionally attached to the style of it, because like this one, it looks white or yellow. There's no. It, it does, yeah. But then it makes me wonder. It's like if he was attached to it, why didn't they just carry through with that look in the prequels? Because in the prequels, uh, the lightsaber blades are so clean. They're very crisp, yeah. Yeah, they're very crisp. So what do you think of the change of the remote that he has on his ship being used for proper Jedi training like they did in the prequels? Because they took this exact same thing. So it's just like Han Solo has this, this Jedi training robot. I Yeah, so I think you brought that up at one point in uh, Solo, I think, right? Yeah, because it, it comes uh, up multiple times. It just becomes odd. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they're possibly... Um, I think they're possibly, um, I don't know, just like more common for even practicing with, uh, stun blasts, I guess. Maybe it's for good for targeting practice and then having something shoot back. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I could see something like that. It did just make a little awkward of a relationship of this part of the film. Yeah, it does. You know what I think George saw as inspiration for this exact scene? So What's that? So you know around in our solar system there is the the asteroid belt? Yeah. So, the, yeah, there's a ring around our sun that's just an entire ring of asteroids. Yeah. The theory that that was once a planet that got destroyed. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So then yeah. just slowly over, like, a millennia, like mil millions of years, it got spread out to be a total ring. Mm -hmm, Same yeah. idea as right here, right? So they show up and it's just like this giant field of asteroids. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. It's a space station. They're still quite a ways out if that's like a moon-sized object. Makes you wonder what the yeah. what is the actual range of the tractor beam on the start. Well, see, yeah. see, this that's is fair. this is what I was saying in uh, in um, in Rogue One uh, in that shot where you see like the the laser dish being put into the thing. Yeah. I think I mentioned uh, I mentioned that in Rogue One is the first movie that you really get a sense of actual scale. Yeah. It's true. Because in, in in that one scene that we just saw right then, you don't uh, with the yeah. with the Falcon approaching the, the the Death Star, you don't really get a good sense of like how big this thing actually no, even is. Even this scene, like it looks big, but 
You also don't know how big yeah. the Falcon is either, right? Like, it's not really in your head. But I guess yeah, this is yeah. an idea. In fact, I would argue that this even looks small scale. If it is a proper moon-scaled object. Right. It wasn't until I saw, like, a Star Destroyer next to the Death Star in Rogue One and I had a actual sense of how big this thing is that I was like, oh, okay, like that, that is big. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered where that elevator goes and why it's just it's a turbo lift apart. Yeah, and like why it doesn't fill up the whole thing though. <laughs> In Battlefront 2, it fills up the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> it is way bigger than it. I gotta commend it to the people that were cast as random imperial imperials in the in this film because they're probably mm. for these like low like lines for scenes usually they'll hire people with very little experience and that guy did a great job talking to Darth Vader and being very serious yeah he did talking like this weird guy in his plastic suit it'd be hard to keep professionalism right especially in the 70s. yeah it'd be yeah. hard to keep a straight like this face just didn't happen and... yeah yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, back in the day when this movie was being made, this was this was ridiculous. Like oh, there was man. people on set. Yeah, um, they had an issue theory. on the on this movie in particular. They had an issue with uh, a lot of the crew and cast, um, kind of not taking it seriously. Yeah, because that's I guess. how it was. Because at this point in time, most of the films coming out were like cop dramas. Yeah, so, yeah. and all the music, everything, like it was all very modern like the music was mostly like kind of like a rocker or a like a soul kind of music to it yeah, yeah. if you notice the the eyebrow liner on these helmets are drastically different Oh yeah, it's so spaced out. Yeah, it's like, so different from helmet to helmet. And I learned because I built my I built my own stormtrooper kit, and uh, it's actually just a piece of rubber, and the top of the helmet actually goes farther up. So you, to get it to look like a proper eyebrow, you have to have it kind of hang loosely on the bottom. But if you push it all the way to the top, it has that. See, his is hanging down because it, it looks a roughly eyebrow height. But mm. if you push it flush right against the top of the helmet, it actually creates this weird gap. And some of them have mm. that. Yeah, because mine is the uh, the Black Series Hasbro one, and they've got it pushed down towards like the mid-rim there. Yeah, which is what uh, it, the models and I guess like the official version is. But yeah, the refined, the refined look. Yeah, I the guess. one they, they went with. And it does look better, I admit. But in this one with the, the original kits, there's a lot of play for that height. Yeah.
That's one of the other things I like is that throughout all the movies, they did a really good job of like still kind of paying homage to this old like this type of technology that they have in the room right now with them. Yeah, because like, with that Rogue it, One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Using like the old like seventies modern computing. I mean, that's the best they had at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like nowadays when you make a movie, you don't even have screens. It's like touch screens, yeah. It's have, all like, or like little, holograms. A little green box or whatever. Even if there is a screen though, you don't actually show anything in in like on set. You add it all in post by just like making an overlay. But here yeah. they do yeah. everything practically. So that's like that's a real computer screen that the special effects guys would like to actually rig so that yeah. they could actually uh, show all that. And what's really impressive is they actually managed to get the frame rate or the refresh rate of the screen to match the the, the, the cameras because or else you start getting that weird fuzzy look. So if you try to record your That's own screen, right. yeah. you start to get yeah. weird kind of effects. But you know, it's like this is all – it's all matching, which is not easy to do. Yeah, right. That's a good a point. a little actually. bit of the one straight ahead is a bit of a fuzzing, but, I mean, that one there is practically perfect. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's tearing like it normally would, exactly. right? With the lines going across. Exactly. Yeah. Harrison was the perfect casting for Han. He he just legitimately does not care to be there at all. (laughs) He doesn't want to be there at all. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so done with this. Kill me now. He's exasperated with everybody. Just want my money. Like that's exactly what the character's (laughs) saying. And him as actual like casted person is like Oh, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Christopher Walken was the second in line in line choice to play this character. Yeah, he was the second the second choice. No, it would not be the oh, same at all. So like, I'm Solo. Yeah. This is Chewie. No, the old man said he just wants us to wait right here. <laughs> So that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> you, 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 know, you, know, you, know, you know the hood of money of fuck? <laughs> I'm shipped up made up. You can't even do it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's such a hard one, but it's so. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, yeah, it's so, so funny, man. It'd be so weird. I'm trying to remember Josh in that Across the Stars novel I know one of the characters actually gets posted on the Death Star oh the uh, Lost Lost Stars isn't it? yes that sounds right yeah Right, yeah. Which which one gets posted on the Death Star? I think it's um, I think it was the. It's been a while. I think it was the girl. I, th- I think I think it was they, the girl. Um, so, who was the main character? Right. 
Uh, yeah, because it kind of flashed back and forth between her and him. Yeah. Uh, let me look this up, because, yeah, it's been a while since I, if I, remember, since I read that I can't that remember one. specifically, but in the book, I do recall it actually shined a lot of light on kind of the the inner, I guess, like, maybe not necessarily politics, but the, the workings of the, the peoples and right. the infantry and all that within the death yes. itself. Like even yeah, because Sienna, Sienna Sienna Ree, that's, that's the girl, uh, and yeah, she's known as LP eight 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 in the Imperial Navy. Okay. Yeah, and like I recall that even within the Empire itself, this the Death Star is still very top secret. Like it's not well known yeah. at all. Like she had to go through a whole bunch of different security briefings and all this sort of thing. When she got posted there, because she's not even allowed to talk yeah. to Imperials about the existence of it. Right. That that book did a lot of servicing for the for the series. It was really well written. Yeah, it did, and I loved how it was from the perspective of just like regular people in the galaxy, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm stuck on this backwater planet. I'm just going to sign up with the Empire to get off and like see the rest of the of the galaxy." Like they didn't see the the empire as evil, right? They just saw it as basically like the government. Yeah, your government. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. And the and the rebels were just looked at as terrorists. Like yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then the, the male protagonist uh, he joined the rebellion, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Thane, something or another. I'm I'm impressed with how much you remember. I haven't read that novel since it came out like six years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. I just looked at the Wikipedia okay, page. That's though, why. So. <laughs> I'm just like, memory. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when Chewie's just looking around back there. <laughs> I know. Like, what do I do? He's just standing there, like looking at all the walls and the cameras, and like you know. This stuff's pretty cool. There's <laughs> <laughs> a over there, bird debris over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just checking her out <laughs> oh man yeah that white, the makes, white dress man like <laughs> makes it a little awkward doesn't it yeah, yeah it really does <laughs> I feel so sorry for her <laughs> like Moff Tarkin knows who Obi-Wan is I'm surprised yeah. that she recognized Ben Kenobi Oh well, well she was the one who recorded the message. But she said Obi Wan Kenobi, and then Luke said Ben Kenobi. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Ben Kenobi immediately like she knows who it is and runs out. Right, right. I think I think maybe it's the last name that kind of, kind of maybe hit hit her because she kind of said it questionably, right? Like Ben Kenobi, you know, kind of thing. That's more like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's him. He's here. That's not so much like, wait, do you mean Obi Wan? Yeah, yeah, you know, they should have, like, it should have been written that way, but, you know, George, George and his scripts, right? I'm sure it got no more or less changed or whatever. But, yeah, that's a very good point, like, it it should be It's weird, she should be, she should be a little bit confused, like, oh, do you mean whatever? It would be a little more natural, but, you know, like Harrison Ford says, George, you can write this, but you sure can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
<laughs> Man, what's with Star Wars and dented heads? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is a thing. Must be George. Just likes the look of a dent yeah, on the end. Right, well, I just add a dent right there. Yeah, but, 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 yeah. It's always the same spot too, because I think yeah. Boba's the exact same location as like. It uh, is, and in Attack of the Clones, uh, at the very end of the movie, Jango gets one on his helmet too. And that makes me think then that that's the dent that Boba was wearing. Uh, it's so in Clone Wars they blew up Jango's helmet, and uh, in the unproduced episodes affirmed that. Boba's helmet is a is his own Mandalorian helmet that gets shot by Cad Bane and creates like a crater in the helmet. So it's just a coincidence that Django has that little dent like in there to begin with, I guess. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's so basically what happened I mean, was George changed his mind when he was writing Clone Wars. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, the dent the dent wasn't like a crater like Boba's, so it was just supposed to be a little nod, I guess, right. to like what's supposed to happen. But so yeah, it was when Boba tried to assassinate Mace Windu, he actually used Jango's helmet to do that. He because he puts a bomb inside of it and then hides the puts the helmet out to to bait him in. Hmm. And then the helmet blows up. So, Man, like, throughout the I rest of the series, he doesn't have the helmet. Episodes. I really do, too. I mean, like, I'm hoping that they end up going back and Some fixing, point. you know, awesome. finishing the Clone Wars. Because, like, but, that was a good storyline, the whole, like... Oh, it's such a good, yeah. Such a good, like... Because, I mean, Cad Bane has all this, like, Western... What are you doing? Um, it's magnetic magnetically sealed! I already tried! <laughs> <laughs> like Cad Bane is all this like Western uh, style about him. It's like that kind of rubs off on Boba. So like there's gonna be a whole arc about about all of that stuff to fill it in because that really shows the yep. difference between the two, which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Else, how does if Boba is just straight up a clone of Django? It's weird that he would then pick up all these old West right? styles. Yeah, exactly. And that. he gets it from Cad Bane. Yeah. The spurs and everything. So it makes me like, wonder then if Boba then has proper like a Beskar gam, like m m proper Mandalorian armor. Is he wearing his father's? Or did he then acquire I th stuff? I think I think some of the armor might actually be his father's repainted, but the helmet is not. Okay. Um, well, and yeah. uh, and I think I don't know if it's actually Beskar or not because from. Just from watching the Mandalorian, like the Mandalorian himself had non-Beskar armor on him that was still that still looked like Mandalorian armor, but it wasn't actually Beskar. At the beginning, right? yeah, until he At got the, beginning, the Beskar yeah. from the Imperial. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it makes me wonder that maybe Boba has the same sort of thing going on, like his it armor could is be, just because you know I had heard that that a lot of it's just like regular plastoid armor, same as like what they're wearing right now, the stormtrooper armor. So it's all uh, plastoid. Yeah, or even like some other kind of metal, I guess, because you know Boba's has got the like his helmet's clearly made of metal too, because it's got the dent in it and everything. Well, I don't know if it's canon anymore, but I think it was during the Clone Commando books. They stated that the Mandalorian armor, the body's all Beskar, but the helmet is generally just regular, like, plasteel or, or plastoid. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, those, yeah, those books are definitely legends now, so I wonder if they'll stick with that, though. And I don't know if it's just an issue that it's hard to forge 
Beskar to be in that sort of shape because the the original proper Beskar helmets they only did they did face plates they didn't do full helmets right yeah that's right yeah that makes sense actually also another cool part about um, the commando books and their take on the they did the Beskar game or the Mandalorian armor is it has 360 degree vision so it has cameras all the way along the backside of the helmet and then one of the hardest parts of getting used to the armor is the camera is like the screen you're looking at inside the helmet actually has looks all the way around you so you, you have to get used to 360 degree vision within your regular peripheral vision hmm interesting I guess that's how they can tell if you're sneaking up on them or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can see behind you too, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, that stormtrooper looks super hunched. He's like, yeah. His head, his head's like on his yeah, shoulders. Yeah, for sure. The helmet's like, yeah, resting on the shoulders. Now, now that is a little short to be a stormtrooper. <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. You can clearly see that that pole is just made of like rubber. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> just like bending here and there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just plastic. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Stage prop. <laughs> he's just like I love how Kano, like he's just walking down the hallway and people just don't notice, you know? It's all the power of the force, my young Kanoan. Yeah. <laughs> I would almost love to see him pass people directly and constantly go like, "You did not see me here," and, you know, like <laughs> one after the next right? down the hallway. <laughs> For real, though. That was one of the shots that they actually had to redo, uh, which when he disables the tractor beam, because 
it was originally written, I think, I think it was in English, uh, where it said power generator or something like that, or tra- sorry, tractor beam. And, uh, and then when they did the special editions, they replaced the text with like Orabesh to actually like make sense. Yeah. Because in Star Wars, English is not English. It's called basic. And then how it's written is like a different format. I do like how they have that in there because it just feels like regular soldiers just you know they're they were posted for security duty and they're like just yeah just chatting. chatting oh yeah just chatting other. that's why i love the in the mandalorian like that one part with the scout troopers like just that's, that was so it's, it's, great it's awesome oh my it's so gosh good. <laughs> they're trying to yeah. and then they try to blast the yeah. The thing that they're pissed they keep missing. They can't hit it from like three or four feet away. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like shaking the blaster because it's garbage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they did a good job with that show. I liked it a lot. Yeah, they did. They really did. That was awesome. And they just punch Baby Yoda. Runs into like a whole the whole garrison. Yeah, I love that. Like, like oh, oh, and turns around the other way. Yeah. Ah, run! <laughs> Do we ever see the stormtroopers use their little leather satchels on the side? Yes, there's there's a couple scenes I think where they have the uh, blasters. It's supposed to be a holster. Yeah, it's supposed to be a holster, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen them use it, I don't it, think though. you ever see it again after this. Maybe in Empire Strikes Back, but I can't remember. We'll yeah, to... I don't think we ever see them like use them too often. No. Because I think it's wildly impractical because they're trying to... Because that's basically... that The E-11, the blaster, it's based off of a submachine gun, not a pistol. And yep. so to try to stick it into like a holster that they probably I mean, it, designed it themselves... Short. The property yeah. of the eleven is quite sure. But. Yeah, it is. And when, well, when they're standing around just guarding something or just on patrol or whatever, they're always carrying the blaster. They're not actually, you know, walking around yeah. with it in their pocket. It's yeah. It, there is shots with it in the holster. It's not very common. Yeah. Also, why do stormtroopers all have like this little grappling hook? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they never use it. No, like this is the only time you ever see that it even exists. That's true. Dude, that'd be so cool in the Star Wars Battlefront games if you could just climb up stuff with a grappling hook. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Actually, I think it's a remnant of like how the clones used to carry those because the clones did carry um, grappling hook type tools. I can see that. I also think it's an homage to classic D&D where you're, you always get like 10 foot rope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The Empire's generous. They actually throw a hook on the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I love the stormtroopers back there by the Millennium Falcon. They're standing there like they're hanging out by the water cooler. Yeah. <laughs> open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. <laughs> Just backfires on them so fast. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so good. Now, I know a lot of people take issue with this duel. Mm, it is very slow. Yeah. It has aged a lot. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's the one part of the movie I don't think has aged very well. And honestly, no. I think George is more to blame than anything else. Because As, he yeah. changed how he wanted lightsabers to work. Yeah, he, he did. At first, they were supposed to be very heavy. Yeah. And then, then the next the next movie, they were supposed to be way lighter. Yeah, in the prequels. So in these, these original films, the idea was... Well, even, even in Empire Strikes Back, they made them... Like, they changed the idea. Uh, I think even there it's supposed to be slow. Because Mark Hamill himself... Well, if it is... Mark Hamill himself talked to George. And he said, like, Hey, George, can I move it like this? And he's, like, swinging around real quick. And George's like, No, they're supposed to be heavy. Like, broadswords. Like, medieval broadswords. Yeah. <laughs> like... If, so funny, if Mark Hamill's saying that it probably was at least in Empire because he didn't really duel at all in this, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was. Well, and in Return of the Jedi, he's like whipping that thing around like really quickly too. So could be. Like I think there's just a miscommunication as to like who got that information that it was supposed to be heavy. Like it might it might be like the kind of thing that he mentioned to the actress here and there because in, in Ben Kenobi's hut he's like swinging that thing around you know like almost true. like yeah, clips Obi Wan in the face it, it does yeah he had one hand way, on it just vroom, 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 it's true like, within that scene itself it looks more remnant of the prequel so than it does the rest of the original trilogy yeah exactly yeah. so I think like there's there's a bit of an inconsistency sometimes it looks heavy sometimes it doesn't. And, and then, I don't know um, if part of that was just to give Darth Vader more of an even advantage because he's completely blind. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I'm not too sure. Too. I think I think it came down to George maybe talking to the, the, the guy who choreographed the fight, right? So, like, the only spontaneity movements that we see with the lightsaber are, like, Luke and Ben Kenobi's hut. And that's pretty much it. And then any other time that the lightsaber is used, it's being choreographed by someone... You know, saying, okay, you got to swing it like this, and, you know, this is how the duel's going to go. So, that was probably the guy that had the information, like, oh, it's got to be heavy. Yeah, it's true. And if they hired, like, a proper medieval swordsman, too, we probably would say, oh, swords are heavy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because would have had that guy on Which, that, too. At, at this point, they probably hired somebody who was... This is all filmed in the UK. Used to so dealing... They would have had probably yeah. some medieval yeah. swordsman... They may have like been used to using uh, like cutlass kind of swords, you know, like lighter, yeah. lighter things. Almost maybe like a rapier. Right. Yeah, rapiers. Yeah. There's a movie I've been wanting to watch. It's a really old movie. It's called The Duelist. Okay. Um, I think I've heard of and it. it's yeah, it's super famous. But it's known for like really realistic sword fights. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look it up and um, <laughs> as opposed and, to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where they only do three moves. Ting, ting, ting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just memorize like block, block, like it was, what was it high block, low block, high block. I think you just repeat that. Yeah, <laughs> over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Like, all the duels. I think my my favorite movie is 
like of all time is probably Count of Monte Cristo. There's some great. Some yeah, great that's an album. awesome movie. Yeah. yeah. I think this scene with Luke on the Falcon where he's like mourning Obi-Wan, it just gets, I mean, it gets cut short pretty quickly, but it, it reminds me of um, Anakin, like on the, the Naboo ship when he's mourning, it's, like leaving his mother yeah. behind. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it's Leia puts like the blanket around. on him and yeah. Yeah, that's it's great. like almost, it's almost one for one, the exact same. <laughs> yeah. So cold. I love this scene so much. Yeah, so Just, cold. Yeah. <laughs> the like basically it's an arcade game. Like I love. Yeah, it. it's yeah, pretty totally. accurate, hey. Especially like in the in the seventies, that actually would been arcades and stuff around. Yeah. Product placement. Yeah. <laughs> Make toys. Oh, for real. Man, that's that tie was so incredibly close. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm glad that they kept like this retro aiming, like CG or display in targeting systems. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I love, I love that they it. kept it accurate. Dude, yeah, in Star Wars Squadrons, they did such a phenomenal job with like the HUD and stuff like that because there's really not that much like external HUD. Like a lot of it is displays inside your ship, and That's they cool. do a really good job of keeping yeah. it like, consistent with what you see in the cockpits. So like on your scope it kind of functions as your radar and then when there's an enemy ship like in the center of your scope you can like lock on to them and engage them and stuff like it's awesome yeah that's pretty cool yeah. also josh just to point out what you were talking about actually read maybe it was you in the last last commentary we're talking about how the falcon just had regular blasters and then han replaced them with a quad laser blasters which is what we're seeing yeah, yeah that came up when we were ta- chatting about the, the they, kessel run yeah because it got blown it's off it. so han replaced them with higher powered weaponry yeah because i believe quad lasers are very uncommon for most uh civilian ships because they're more power than they're is, is deemed necessary yeah makes sense because like i guess a lot of people don't don't actually uh anticipate getting into a dogfight either yeah yeah just going to be fighting pirates yeah right yeah for self-defense purposes right yeah exactly yeah, that's awesome. I love he's got these gloves on for yeah. the blasters. So, Josh, yeah. do you know that fan theory about how, like, the stormtroopers are actually really good shots and the whole time they missed is because uh, they're ordered to miss and not hit them? <laughs> what? You've never heard I've that? Never heard. Okay, no, so in this no. movie so far, like, all the scenes that we've had up until the Death Star with the stormtroopers, like, they're accuracy has been praised so like when we see the 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 sand crawler with the jawas and stuff like that obi-wan praises 
the uh, oh, I see, the, I see, yeah, 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 yeah. Imperial I see. I've I've always just heard the the, the the story that like everything Ben Kenobi says is just like a lie. <laughs> like, like everything, absolutely everything. Well, the fan theory that I heard is that so the stormtroopers are actually really accurate, but that yeah. the whole time these guys have been on the Death Star and stuff like that, they were under orders to. Uh, like to deliberately miss and not kill them so that they right. could escape and that they could track them down and get to the to the rebel base yeah you know you know, well, you know <laughs> see i i don't know if i fully buy that one more so i think the funny one the like the the ben kenobi one i think is the one i'm running with but at the same time i really I like the that, actual that the actual in canon thing is like the blasters are just so crappy like they're just <laughs> mass produced like you know garbage weapons yeah right? but that's a that's an interesting theory like oh yeah um, there's a huge fan theory all about that like you should totally like check it out if you get the i'll look into it hilarious the one the one that the one that i love so much is like the i have ben kenobi's always a liar like even even with r2 it's like oh, i don't remember owning a droid and and then in episode three it's like oh two hit the boss droid center eye you know like he's, yeah. like, he's like he knows r2d2 like he knows all this stuff and then he's always telling luke like, like the wrong things yeah, and then and then how they fix it later? Well, it's true from a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't go by the name of Obi Wan since all before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> well. I love they use that same imagery in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I'm good. so glad they didn't update a bunch of that. I hate when they do that. It just like makes the whole chronological order of, of films just feel so awkward. Yeah. I also love like when Obi-Wan passes down the lightsaber to Luke, right? Like he's like, your father would have wanted you to have this when you're old enough. And like the last time he saw Anakin, he was burning alive. Yeah. He was like, I hate you! Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Your father would have wanted you to have this. Like flashback. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious, man. So there's a guy here who speaks up and questions before Luke shuts him down. That guy was originally cast to be Wedge. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Oh really? They actually changed it. They changed the casting after this scene. Him. He was supposed to be Wedge. Oh, I bet he's pretty miffed now. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh another, another one. When, when Obi-Wan tells Luke that he has to go find Yoda, the Jedi Master who, like, trained him. But in actual fact, it was just quite... Yeah, unfair. right? There's, like, a gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. They, I assume, they I assume he's talking to, like... Attack of the Clones yeah, by having Yoda they teach did. all the younglings. 
yeah, they they did fix that eventually, but I think it's just hilarious, right? Like, yeah, you're basically saying just like Obi Wan, just is, everything he says, he's just a liar Every, all the time. Yeah, he's just a liar like all the time. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've never heard that. Yeah, it's so good, man. That's great. Like, there's so much evidence. <laughs> it's That's pretty awesome. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to mention the whole Vader identity thing. Or just didn't tell Luke. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I mean, he yeah. said, uh, yeah. You know, when I look at the rebel pilot costume, like, that has to be probably one of the easiest costumes to, like, remake or whatever out of all the Star Wars yes characters. Yes no, it's simple, but the ribbing on the vest is a pain in the butt. Oh, right. gosh. Well, that's, a, that's the joke that uh, Bryce, like, you know, brought up last yeah. time because he said right. that he'd made the costume for it. He's like, yeah. I'd have yeah, to rib your clothes. Right. Sorry, yeah. I totally. Yeah, I remember we talked about that a little bit. I forgot about that part, though. I, when did he bring that up? Was that on? Yeah, that was, was on Rogue One, right? Yeah, that's yeah, Rogue One. Because yeah. they have the ribbing on uh, the, the, what's his name? Right, the all the jackets. All yeah. the jackets on the arms, yeah. Yeah. Say so you want to make things look Star Wars, you add ribbing. You also add the the pockets with the, those steel, like, pipes sticking out. Oh, yeah, yeah they look probably, what are they, like, flares or something like that? You probably just... It's just like random stuff they added to make it look sci-fi. Yeah. So you can see like the piping on his arm there. Yeah, I think it's amazing in Rogue One how they recreated this base. Yeah, like they did such a great they job. Did. They did. They absolutely nailed it. They had great shots of the the base and stuff. And before we get too far from the costumes, I just want to point out like the the chess piece they have with the computer box. Um, yeah, a lot of times those are just like from these old. 1970s blenders and stuff like that. <laughs> computer panels. Like Darth Vader's is a blender. I'm not sure. Yeah. These, I think these ones might be custom made, but I know Darth Vader's is a blender. That's yeah. that's so good. Well, I, I mean, they're that. all they're people running around in the background with ice cream mixers, so it doesn't. Yeah, man. Just, have a yeah. Few just like, they go shopping to winners and whatever they find that works, they just take it home. Bed Bath and Beyond for the win. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I miss the old side story of 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 uh, Luke and his his friend here. What's his name? Your Biggs. Biggs, yeah. Yeah, there used to be an entire side story. You used to see Biggs on Tatooine before he left, and he went and he. Yeah, that's oh, true. That's cool. Yeah, and they were looking. They were looking up at the sky with their monoculars, and I think they saw like the Star Destroyer fight with the Tantive. Uh, oh wow. Tantive. Tantive four. Yeah. That's really cool because I always felt like their relationship was so like for how like close and like you know buddy buddy they were like I always was like wow that was a really short lived yeah there used to be an entire sequence of them they I think they they like rode like horses or something similar like out and then hanging by this lake and they're like chilling in the desert and then yeah they like see the star destroyer yeah. (laughs) It used to be an entire thing. I remember when we were at Celebration, Josh. Mm, uh, they showed some footage, hey? Yeah, well, yeah, I think they showed that. And they had uh, they yeah had him, uh, Biggs, as well as a lot of the original pilots for the, the X-Wings were all on stage there. And they're answering questions and stuff. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a cool side plot. I guess, I guess the footage was still... 
I don't know. I guess a lot of it was still like unusable and they ended up not putting it in when they added all the other stuff in the special edition. just got edited out. But, and yeah, it, 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 it is added, a very big chunk. It added a lot of extra stuff, right? Yeah. Ah, the CG version. Man, Red, red Six. <laughs> our, our Kentucky Fried Hero. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, for real. <laughs> An attack position. <laughs> yeah, there's so many like gifs online of that guy like eating like <laughs> stuff like while he's flying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Porkins. Yeah, yeah Porkins. <laughs> like, I gotta know when that guy applied for the to be in this film. Was he aware that he was called Porkins, or did George add that after because he thought it was funny? <laughs> I missed such a George thing to do after the fact. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. Like, George 100% would have added that after the guy I'll was just, in there. Uh, what's this guy's name? Oh, yeah, I just call him Porkins. Oh, Porkins. <laughs> do you want to know the really ironic part, though? George is quite overweight now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he is. yeah. Oh my god. He never used to be, but no, now he's a pork. He's like king of the turkey necks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Good. Dude, that's great. Yeah. Man, I just wonder if that guy would have even applied for the part if he knew for the next well forever. It's been like almost fifty years he's been known as Porkins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Apparently, his name, his real life name, is uh, William Hootkins, and he passed away in 2005. Oh wow! Oh man! But apparently, he was in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Batman. Real? Which Batman? Raiders of the Lost. Uh, the original Batman, and also as a, a character called Eckhart. He was also in Superman Four. Interesting. Who was he? I'm most impressed with Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, he what was on, major Eaton. What on earth did he play in Indiana Jones? <laughs> he was major Eaton. <laughs> Eaton, you know, like Eaton. eating. <laughs> That's so major good. Eaton. Man, that had to be oh George again, God. just being a dick. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, was he one of the CIA guys? In the beginning yeah, yeah, of the movie? yeah. Uh, yeah, so good, I recognize man. him now. You're right. Yeah, that's hilarious. Hey. <laughs> man, goes from pork. Yeah, I didn't know he was in Indiana Jones. <laughs> Eating pork. Yeah. I mean, he was barely in the movie at all. I'm like just that opening scene, or maybe the closing. And the closing too. scene. Yeah, he's in both. Yeah. Man, After they get the such arc. a revelation. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if Bryce knows this. Put it into uh, the yeah. area 51. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The storage room. Oh man. That's a good laugh. I wonder if Bryce knows that. No, I bet she doesn't, because that's pretty obscure. Yeah, Porkins to Eaton. That's hilarious. Oh, man. man, I it makes me think that George just, like, mocks <laughs> fat people all the time. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, I mean, there's all the jokes with, like, Jabba, too, right? Yeah. So. And then uh, Boss Nass. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh man, man. Yeah. Oh, see that is control panel there. Blender. Yep. It's a blender. Wow. Blender. That's wow. Great. Man, look at the size of that mustache. <laughs> look at the size of that thing. <laughs> That's no moon. Oh, I know, right? Something they don't really talk about, but how the X-Wings, 
They all have shields, but the TIE Fighters don't. That's why the shield, the TIE Fighters all, all blow up on single impact. Yeah. Yeah, they never really yeah. um, talk about that too much in the films, do they? No, I don't think yeah. they ever mention that. But they, they decided uh, on the TIEs to sacrifice both a, a light speed engine, the hyperdrive, as well yeah. as uh, shields to make them as fast as possible in combat. Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually one of the really interesting things in uh, uh, Squadrons, Star Wars Squadrons, the new game. Like the X-Wings, that's a huge advantage that they have is those shields, but they're that. definitely a lot slower. Like with, I was playing a get round with my buddy and I, and both him and I were in TIE Interceptors, and we absolutely annihilated the enemy team. Because we would just because you have control of your different systems, so there's shields, blasters, and uh, your engine, so like your power and stuff like that. And so you can alternate, like you can balance all the systems, or you can alternate, oh, like cool. diverting power between the different yeah. systems. That makes sense because I always wonder what the the benefit of the interceptor was because you don't really see it other than in Return of the Jedi. So it's like yeah, so it's some sort of improvement. But, it has wow. less like hit points and stuff like that, but it's very fast and it's like very powerful. And so, like my friend and I, we absolutely decimated the enemy team because, like, even though they had shields and stuff like that, we would like I would use the engine, like I, I would divert power to my blasters, like blast the enemy X-wings into oblivion, and then I'd divert power to my engines and get out of there as fast as I could before anyone could like fire Turn off around on you. Yeah. 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 And to go with that, uh, and Josh, you had mentioned this before, Darth Vader's TIE is the only TIE fighter, at least in this film, that has a hyperdrive. Yeah. And if you notice, the, if you the, mm -hmm. go it again, the back of the model actually has this giant box sticking at the back of it, and, like, that's the hyperdrive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it is. It's the only one that has a hyperdrive, and I'm pretty sure it also has shields. But yeah, uh, okay, actually, yeah, the TIE Advanced that. X, yeah, the TIE Advanced X1. At least I think it has shields. Yeah. Well, yeah, they do a really great job with uh, Star Wars squad squadrons and stuff. Like they've made it much like they've added like a, another layer of complexity from like the fighter. Dogfights and stuff like that from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, uh, yes, it does. Yeah, by the way, it does have a deflector shield generator and a hyperdrive. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, That's awesome. yeah. And it can oh, be yeah. it it's used to fighting like that, right? Yeah. All the war. yeah. So, sorry, another quick thing I'll mention. So, like, with like the X Wings and other uh, fighters with shields and that kind of thing. You can so you can optimize like power to like to your shields and stuff, and then I think I haven't figured it out yet, but I think there's also a way so you can like uh, choose which part of your shields like gets the most power, so you can like change it from your front to your yeah. rear or to either side. The X -wings as well, like you can switch yeah. shields to double front. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's super cool. Like some of the stuff that they've managed to like implement into the game. Have you played through the campaign yet? Uh, I haven't beaten it yet. I because I played it a little bit uh, through the first mission or first two missions, and then my buddy dragged me into the multiplayer right away. No. Uh, yeah, I played through the prologue myself. Haven't really got further than that yet. Yeah, it's it's. It's all right so far. Like it's it's a fun game.
Yeah, yeah, it's got a good story to it. Yeah. Oof. It's a rough day. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. One thing I always wondered, if they can destroy the entire planet, why do they have to wait for the rebel base to be with, like, <laughs> around, the, around their feet yeah. inside? <laughs> Just blow up the main, the other one. Or wait, isn't it, isn't it orbiting a gas giant? Oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. it is It is gas giant. But the Star Destroyer also itself can fly quite quickly. Yeah. So you think it'd be able to get it around quite quick. Like, it, it has hyperspace capabilities. Star that's Destroyer, true, I Death guess. Star. Death Star, sorry, my mistake. The Death yeah. Star, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess for the story purpose. Yeah. Through the power of story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we were talking about with uh, uh, Last Jedi and how they have the ships jump to light speed and destroy the inferior, uh, the uh, First Order ships. It's just like yeah. they had this the whole time. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. The whole time? <laughs> Makes you wonder then why couldn't just one X-Wing jump to hyperspace and go right through the, the Death Star? Yeah, it could have jumped, like, it could have aimed right for the thing's core. Or even if they, the even if they like made like a special missile that was like a hyperspace missile, that and it was like designed yeah. specifically it's just the hyperspace to hyperspace engine, a big slug. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. flawless, flawless story. Bigs. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, this is one of the scenes where R2-D2 is black and white. Yeah, from the uh, blue screen. That makes sense. But I don't know why they didn't fix that in the special editions. They fixed so many things. Ex exactly. Exactly. That's that's my thing, too. It's like, well, there's so many things that could still be fixed that would, wouldn't take that long at all, and they just didn't. And, like, they didn't even have to replace it with CG. They could just add color. <laughs> I think a lot of people were hoping that the Blu-ray editions, which were supposed to be the final editions at the time to have changes made, were uh, um, that they would have these fixes the done, and, and they just yeah. yeah, and they just didn't. Yeah, I mean they had like an overall color grading, but which improved upon the DVD one, which arguably ruined the VHS one. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just goes back, but That's some weird I mean, stuff. The Blu-ray run, the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray one definitely looks the best, but it's it's uh, it's still got its issues. Because it has been upscaled quite a bit. For the listeners who watched the previous one, Rogue One, he definitely set the line slower here. Than, than the person who copied Tarkin's voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, you may fire one ready. Yeah. You may fire one ready. He said it too quickly in Rogue One. Yeah. If he was going for a one-for-one -one match. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
That ring, you'll notice, was added in the special editions. Yeah. What? That is true. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 when the Death Star blows up, there's like a ring that happens. But, yeah. Like that was yeah, added in before be like it just kind of dust or whatever, right? Yeah, before it, it looked pretty lame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how they did it was actually pretty clever, because they wanted it to look like space, which doing at this time yeah, everything had to be practical. So the only way they could think to make it look like there's no gravity was to put the camera directly below it, looking straight up. And then when they did an explosion, gravity would be going towards the camera. So it kind of had a zero-G effect. Mm. I've always thought that. That makes sense, actually. That's pretty cool. It's pretty clever. Honestly, the special effects guys who who work on this film, there wasn't a big crew, but they did a fantastic job. They were given a very unwieldy task. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny that you mentioned that how like they tried to like retain like that zero zero g like consistency like with actual like physics in space but yeah but how in, like, in ensuing movies yeah it, like in the ensuing movies they like completely did away with any semblance of physics with like starfighters <laughs> and stuff like that well they didn't do the best here either and a lot of that was George's fact yeah. for the fighters yeah also I want to point out here. They kind of, oh, they actually, in this version, maybe they fixed it, but the original films, George got the the live action people and the fake cardboard cutouts mixed up. So in front of the camera was the cardboard cutouts and the live action people were at the back. (laughs) (laughs) Usually in film, you want to reverse that just to show detail. So it's fixed in the Blu-rays. Okay, that's hilarious. That was this that version. One. The original, they had it backwards. Oh, I was gonna say with the, uh, the space fighting, George liked the look of of dog fighting being very World War Two esque. So he yeah. kind of just didn't care that it was in space and made it look like there was there's drag. There was yeah. Yeah, and that whole sequence uh, when he pitched the whole idea was was re-edited footage of other movies and stuff uh, with World War Two like dogfights. So he planned out the entire X-wing battle with with other footage from other films. Yep, I could see that. Uh, so the, Chewbacca doesn't get a medal on stage. They clarified that he gets a medal elsewhere because of some honor. Uh, it's, a agree, uh, it's a Wookiee thing, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's what I don't know. It kind of takes it's me weird. off. It gets it's weird. It's really weird that they wouldn't have the foresight to think. Oh wait, there's there's three guys here. One of them doesn't have a medal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it makes me wonder, right? Like, it's like why, like even even when they were doing this movie, like why wouldn't Chewbacca get a medal, right? It's like, weird. I gotta be honest, I never noticed. <laughs> really? Yeah. Clearly you're not a big enough Chewbacca fan. You weren't looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't care. Yeah. No, dude, I, I, like, I'm checking out all the people in the background with crazy mustaches and funny looking hats. <laughs> I love the 70s vibe, by the way. All the people dude, in the background. Dude, it's great. And oh, really, so uh, good. it just fits Star Wars now so well. Yeah, dude, I miss yeah. those mustaches and crazy hair dudes. 
pointless. Well, I love I love how they're bringing them back for like the films like it's true. Like uh, yeah, you know, like a uh, Mandalorian and stuff like that. I love I love how they're bringing it all back to fit Making that. Making everybody look like they're from Still. the seventies. Yeah, yeah, it. exactly. Because really, the only reason was because it was made then, right? So the people in the background they weren't going to get a haircut. Right. They were just there. Yeah, exactly. So like a lot of the hairdos. Yeah, all the hairdos and and the the stashes and everything. It all it all looks very. 70s right but it yeah. ends up in the movie and then it's like it's supposed to be a galaxy far far away a long long time ago i mean and, it's a long uh, time ago now <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> uh but anyway so amazing movie there uh we got empire strikes back i guess next i don't know why like if you compare this film to like even just the prequels a lot less happens yeah. in the film itself but i don't know why i just this movie gets me so much more excited than practically anything else i might argue empire higher than this but between those two films i don't know those those there's something about them that just it warms my heart mm. yeah yeah they're they're very special movies and i mean you know directly responsible for for everything that came after um, it's true. So, yeah. These are the linchpins, uh, right? Created the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, nothing's ever going to... It's the kind of movie that's never going to be uh, rebooted or retold. I mean, you look at other kind of mythologies and other it's... stories. Orkins uh, like, in uh, the credits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it is in the credits. Oh, okay, no yeah, way. So. That's great. It was definitely, it's definitely, it's probably like a post thing, you know, after the probably. whole edit was made Special and it came time. He's like, I'm sure yeah, they cleaned up the like... credits. It's super easy to do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What's funny is even thinking about uh, this was like the first film that George did in the series, and arguably one of the first films he did outside of. Uh, I'm already blanking on the name of it, but the oh, like American, American Graffiti. Graffiti. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, yeah, American and Graffiti, so, THX, 1138. Yeah. Did those films have blue credits? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I don't, I don't know. I think this is the first of Lucasfilm's films to have blue credits. And Lucasfilm has had blue credits in their movies ever since, including Indiana Jones. I'm actually mm-hmm. not sure if Willow did, but I would guess that it would have. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because I, I did watch THX 1138, and uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it had blue credits. I um, don't think it would have. I have a feeling this was the first one. I haven't seen American Graffiti or, or Willow, but they're on my watch list to, to eventually get through. They've been on my watch list for way too long now. Josh, if and, you, and I honestly, just, if you want to just pick a night and hang out and watch it, I would do that 100%. Because I haven't watched yeah. it either, but I've always wanted to. Right. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. I can make that happen for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like it's it, you know, I want to watch more George Lucas movies that 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 aren't necessarily just Star Wars, just be, because I want to recognize like that that style, right? Yeah. And I already I can already recognize the fact that he's not involved with you know, the the movies that that came after everything, but. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I'd like to know exactly 
you know, the kind of things that directly correlate to his movies, you know. It's like, what what is very George Lucas? Like, if you were to take Star Wars and then make, like, a movie about about cars and American, like, car culture, like, what kind of elements from Star Wars would show up in that movie, right? It's true. And um, I know, uh, just, maybe this isn't the time to talk about it, but I have read, I guess, like, a bit of a backstory on George. And even though he was, like, this nerdy kid in high school, he was really into car culture. And he himself built his own custom racer. I think it was, like, a Volkswagen Beetle that his parents bought him for his first car. And he hated it. So he hot-rodded it. And he was in, like, this massive car accident just outside of his family home. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. down the road. And this was when he was a teenager. And because he was so into car culture, that really affected... A lot of the stuff he worked on and really inspired American graffiti. Mm-hmm. And I know they tried to really uh, pick up a lot of that as reference to put into uh, the solo movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think a lot of like the the whole mechanic part of side, uh, the whole mechanics side of things, uh, got incorporated into Anakin's character as well. You know, I just a guy that, yeah. who builds his pod racer from a young age and and has such a fascination with like fixing things and makes his own robot and you know all these different things like that that directly correlates to George as well so like as much as as much as Luke is also George Lucas like there's a lot of George Lucas in Anakin Skywalker as well um a lot of like traits there i guess but um yeah it's um I don't know. I guess like next next film, you know, Empire Strikes Back is a lot more like upbeat, a lot more. Um, you say that, but they the whole point of Empire Strikes Back is they lose. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, and and I guess uh, it's just like I mean, up, up, <laughs> they lose their base on Hoth. It, oh, and, it's brutal. And, yeah, and Luke has to rescue his friends because they're like captured, and he shows up, and then Han Han Solo gets like frozen in carbonite and taken away and he loses his hand and like he confronts Darth yeah. Vader and he loses like it's it's really just lo- loss after loss so oh, yeah. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about yeah, it's, it's, sorry upbeat <laughs> I, I meant to say uh, <laughs> faster paced is what oh, I meant okay. to say <laughs> more yeah. intense yeah I could um, get behind yeah that. a little more a little more modern I mean like you can totally tell as the, as the movies went on just how much how much they kind of evolved they, they evolved um, a lot especially look at release order because like I'm just I'm thinking here the the feeling and the vibe of A New Hope versus really not so much the original trilogy but maybe to a certain degree but especially every other film it has a very different vibe even the prequels uh, like, yeah. it feels very different cuz I know the prequels everything's so clean cut and like even if you go to like Tatooine and stuff everything mm-hmm. it almost it still it feels rougher, like yeah. A New Hope just it feels a very rough and gritty, and I don't know there's something about it that just yeah I, yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean and that kind of goes as well saying the best that way um, I can describe it is it's very melancholy and the other films are missing that yeah I think that's what I like about this movie is that it embraces its title really really well because it's they're like striving for a hope like they really are because like throughout this movie like yeah it's just 
yeah it's it's like kind of a bummer like i mean he loses like his family is like brutally yeah. or luke's family's brutally killed and stuff <laughs> like that like he's just like a poor like like kid on a farm on but, the yeah center and a whole of a planet a whole planet blows up with people on it yeah a whole planet like we just kind of right. like they kind of skip over it a little bit almost yeah. like yeah. but it's like hey, and man, i mean i think cool. part of that I think part of that with this movie, like this movie does feel very short compared to a lot of the other Star Wars movies, but I think part mm-hmm. of that is just because of like the, the time that it was released and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it's, 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 it's a pretty crazy. long Because it, it spent a lot of the time yeah. at the beginning letting you know, hey, this is a universe. This is the context, like, yeah. This is Luke, and like these are like Jawas and like a bunch of random garbage that eats up a lot yeah. of time, which I personally prefer. To a lot of yeah. films where it just feels like everything's crammed together and rushed so quickly so they can fit everything in. Yeah. So mm-hmm. It definitely feels slower, but it also feels more realistic. Definitely. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for coming on again and doing the commentary. It's always enjoyable. Um, but uh, I guess we'll we'll catch you guys next time, eh? Sure. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, man. sounds good. Yeah, yeah appreciate. It. I'm, sounds I'm good. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited for the next one. It's arguably my favorite film of the entire saga. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super pumped too. I don't want to say too much about it. I want to save it all for the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you got anything you do want to talk about during certain scenes, you know, just jot it down in a notebook so you don't forget, <laughs> and then uh, bring it up. Yeah, like some lines, so. get, you know, some some punchlines ready to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, yeah see, see you. Man. Thanks again. Right, see you, man. All right, thanks guys for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. Hope you liked the commentary tracks. They're they're pretty spontaneous, I guess. There's nothing pre-scripted about it. I mean, uh, I do give the advice to everybody on the team to uh, jot down anything they do want to talk about, but uh, none of us ever have anything pre-prepared. It's 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 usually all just uh, all just us watching the film and then commentating on it. So hopefully you guys found this very interesting. And uh, maybe you learned something new. Maybe you just were entertained for the, for the length of the film. But uh, whatever the case, uh, if you can, help us out. Just uh, give us a five-star rating if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. That, that helps out a lot. Uh, it helps the podcast actually come up in search results. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I'm pretty sure that's it, it just kind of boosts it up there a little bit if someone were to type in Star Wars into, into iTunes so uh, or Apple Podcasts or whatever. So, uh, yeah, just it, if you want to give us, you know, a three-second favor, that would be amazing. And uh, as well as uh, sharing this podcast with a friend. So if you have a family member or a... Um, a uh, friend or or something like that that uh, is uh, a big Star Wars fan, then uh, perhaps they'll like the podcast. They can shuffle through our episodes and and see uh, see what's up. If you got a friend who's looking for a way to get into the Clone Wars, we got our Clone Wars talk series as well. And uh, of course, if you guys head over to our Twitter feed at SW Escape Podcast, you can find various links of where to find the show and uh, a link to join the Discord and other social medias that we're on across the galaxy. So we'll see you guys next time for Empire Strikes Back and may the Force be with you. Bye.